0: This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at SaintDave.org. Here again, the collect like assigned for Trinity Sunday. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us your servant's grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity And in the power of your divine majesty, to worship the unity. Unlike most Sundays of the church year, where we parse out our faith in digestible bites, Trinity Sunday has asked us to stitch it all back together again. On Trinity Sunday, we are invited to focus on that thing that we believe is most fundamentally true. And that focus on the fundamental truths starts by acknowledging by, about what we believe is most true about God. To ask the question, what is God? Who is God in God's essence? Unique to the Christian faith is the notion that God is Trinitarian. One God and three persons. Traditional language, father, son, son and Holy Spirit. Some call this the great Christian imponderable. Are you familiar with Buddhist imponderables? It is a question that in Buddhism you ask to facilitate meditation. It's a question that finally doesn't have an answer. You know, what is the sound of one hand clapping? If a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? There are questions to reflect on. You can interject your jokes as well. There's lots of jokes imponderable questions there as well. It's, they're questions that sort of occupy the monkey mind, which Buddhism calls it, that we all have, that just sort of brain that jumps all around. Occupy the mind so that the spirit can move into a place of contemplation and reflection. The Christians would use this a little differently. This imponderable, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is designed... Not necessarily to just occupy our minds, but to invite us to plunge headlong into actually wrestling with this question. It is difficult to ponder, but it is not imponderable. And yet it betrays control and the boundaries of language. It betrays explanation and it betrays analogy. Example, try try to say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in some other way than that without slipping off into heresy. My preaching professor said that any sermon on Trinity Sunday that lasts more than five minutes is heresy. (laughs) So I think I've got about a minute and a half left before it's a, it's a challenging thing. How do we say this? What, not only just how do we say it, but what does it mean? What do we mean when we say that God is three in one? So I ask ushers to offer you a prayer book. I mean, you might want to grab it because we're going to navigate a couple of pages in here that might be helpful to us. The first is on page 96. This is where you will find the Apostles' Creed. By the early 4th century, it articulated as simple as possible. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and a few things, and then I believe in the Holy Spirit. Simple declaration of faith. Similarly, the Nicene Creed, which is, I believe is on page 358 in the Book of Common Prayer, it's the one that we say every Sunday, the one that's in your bulletin actually, by the, mid, by the mid-late 4th century, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now, I know those words roll off your tongue because you say them every single Sunday. I mean, think about this. There are only three things we do every single Sunday. We say the Lord's Prayer. We receive the body and blood of Jesus. And we recite the creed. That is how fundamental this is to us. They roll off our tongue easily. But it's an invitation to plunge into this. What are we actually saying. About the nature of God. When we say this out loud. Now just for fun. Turn to page 864. In the book of common prayer. Which takes you to the historical documents. That you need to know about. Known as the Quinicu Volt. Vault or the Athanasian creed, this Athanasius battling heresies in the 6th century tries to articulate it further, tries to bring us further down the path. What exactly are we saying when we say that God is one in three persons? So you're going to have to stay with me here, but I trust you because you are a well-educated, handsome group of people. So we can do this. A few lines down, it states this. We worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is all one, and the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such the Father is, such is the Son, such is the Holy Spirit, Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Ghost uncreated, the Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, the Holy Ghost incomprehensible. You may be saying right about now, the whole thing is incomprehensible. <laughs> but it's not. Just stay with it. I just hear this, this repetitive thing that he works through, and he goes on and on and on with this repetitive work of three in one. He says, so likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, the Holy Ghost almighty. Yet there are not three almighties, one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. And he goes on and on and on as he tries to explicate what we mean when we say God is three in one. So was that helpful to hit those? Was that helpful to hit Athanasian Creed? Because if it wasn't, you can blame that on Eric Mellenbrook. (laughs) All right. Because this week, Catherine sent the bulletin out for us to review and make sure it was okay. And I said, just playfully, this is lovely, Catherine, but I don't see the text of a Trinity sermon that I could have for this Sunday. And so Eric suggested, well, we should just get into the Kunikui vault. They will love it. So I'm throwing Eric under the proverbial organ bitch back there. (laughs) Actually, what you've just discovered is who the smartest person on the worship team actually is. And it's Eric. Here, what what we're really doing is we are witnessing, by going through these steps, we are witnessing a 600-year struggle to try to articulate what we mean when we say that God is three in one this dynamic relational nature of the divine actually if we had time we could then talk about the differences between the east and the west and their final version of the creed and we would see that it's a thousand year discussion and in fact if we had time we could compare the creed that we would normally say that's in the prayer book but the one that we are also very familiar with here at saint david's which is an inclusive language creed which oh by the way Went back to the Eastern Creed in the middle of that. That's true. Now it's a 2,000-year conversation about what we mean when we talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it would not be an unreasonable thing at this point to say, why are we doing this? Why do we bother with this? Why don't we just say that what we believe to be true about God is beyond our comprehension?" And that God is God and we are not. And we'll just leave it at that. And don't we all believe in the same God anyway? Or shouldn't we all just get along? That's where it comes. Don't we just all believe in the same God? When it gets into the weeds like this and it gets really complicated, we sort of a defense mechanism. Don't we all believe in the same? Well, we don't. This is a uniquely Christian thing that we are saying about God. And wouldn't we also say, well, we should just stop this because how long until we actually use this criteria to exclude people? Well, read, read the Athanasian Creed. He started right there. Go back and look at it. It says, if you don't believe this, you're not part of the one holy Catholic faith and you cannot be saved. So immediately agree with me or it's a weapon. And there are plenty of examples throughout the life of Christendom where that has happened where we take the core doctrine of our faith and then use it as a bludgeon to try to make other people believe. But if we're going to avoid both of those things, we're not trying to present something that is exclusive and you must accept no matter what, but we're doing this to be specific about what the experience of the church has been about the nature of God. The doctrine of the Trinity, then, is actually vital for the Christian faith. It is the one doctrine that gets a Sunday all by itself every year. It is this important. It articulates what we believe is most true about the nature of God. And by doing so, we are articulating what we believe is most true about the world and about our place in the world. By saying as much as we can honestly and rightfully say about God, we articulate what we think Righteousness looks like. In this ongoing work, what we articulate is that God is one, God is three, God is dynamic, God is alive and active and in perpetual relationship with God's self. This constant dance i heard someone else call this divine dance of father son and holy spirit and the fruit of that dance of that relationship is the universe it's everything that we know in the universe it's everything in the created order every creature under heaven and earth including the great sea monsters my very favorite thing in the psalter <laughs> at the heart of this never ending relationship of the divine is love This is how we know that, is we wrestle with the doctrine of the Trinity. And with this divine love comes an invitation and expectation of us. As we humans, to live similarly, the existence of a relational dynamic divinity invites us to live relationally, compassionately, lovingly, and creatively the reason we are called to live like this is because it's the very nature of the divinity we worship. It is the very nature of God. So this is what the church has been trying to articulate for 2,000 years. It's based on what our forebears encountered with the God of creation. It's based on what the disciples encountered when they met and lived with Jesus. It's what moved Paul to bless people of Corinth so long ago in the first stumbling articulation of the Trinity. It's what we here just heard. He, it's, a, it's the conclusion of his second letter to the Corinthians. It's the most true thing he knew about God and how it was to impact their lives. He wrote, Finally, siblings, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. So there it is. Grace. Love. Communion. The nature of God. Grace. Love. Communion. Your nature. Grace, love, communion, the nature of the body of Christ. Now go live your life as if that was actually true. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at SaintDave.org and click on the podcast button.